Well, church, I want to begin the sermon this morning by asking you this question. Are you weary today? Who who of you would say, I am weary this morning? I want to clarify that question is not the same as, are you tired? Many of us are often tired. Tired from taking care of little children. Tired from working long hours at our jobs. Tired from our right investment in people. It's not a bad thing to be tired. I mean, even Jesus took naps. To be tired is part of being human and living out God's call on our lives. Weariness, on the other hand, is something different and deeper than just tiredness. Weariness is something that happens in our hearts, in our inner man. You know, many of you have uh, had COVID and experienced COVID fatigue at some point over the last few years. You, you're over it and you try to go back to life, but you lack the strength you're used to having. It's just like there are weights that are keeping you from, from even the most minimal tasks. Even, even the minimal task can take it out of you. Weariness is kind of like that. It's a spiritual fatigue at the very core of who you are that makes life itself feel exhausting. So is that you this morning? Are you weary? Is your spirit exhausted today? Spiritual weariness can come from many different places. Struggling with a besetting sin can make you weary. Navigating a difficult marriage can make you weary. Experiencing loss or death can make you weary. Hearing about the brokenness of the world can make you weary. Trying to help others can make you weary. Striving for the approval of others can make you weary. Striving for the approval of God can make you weary. This spiritual weariness is something that every one of us is prone to, and it's something that none of us can pull ourselves out of either. When we're weary, we cannot get out of it ourselves. But church, here's the good news for the spiritually weary. Jesus Christ gives true rest to all who come to him and take his yoke. That's the main idea this morning, if you're writing it down. Jesus Christ gives true rest to all who come to him and take his yoke. That is the good news for spiritually weary people. Jesus gives true rest to all who come to him and take his yoke. You can open your Bibles to Matthew 11. Matthew 11, we are looking at verses 28 through 30 today. We just touched on this passage last week. We, we, we read it and we, we just skimmed the surface of it at the end of last week's message, but we're going to take our time to dive into it today. The 19th century pastor J.C. Ryle said this about our passage today. The last three verses of Matthew 11 are indeed precious. They are verses which deserve to be read with special attention. For 1,800 years they have been a blessing to the world and have done good to myriads of souls. There is not a sentence in them which does not contain a mine of thought. Church, this is one of those texts that makes me feel 
what's true all the time, and that's my inadequacy to preach the word. Ryle's description of this text as a mine of thought is absolutely right, and I'm praying this morning that the Holy Spirit would open our eyes to see the preciousness of Christ's words and to know the blessing of Christ's promise to the spiritually weary. So let's go ahead and read the passage, and then we will seek to pull out, to mine out as much truth as we can today. It's Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let's read it one more time. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This passage gives three truths for the spiritually weary. Three truths for the spiritually weary. First, Jesus invites you to himself. Jesus invites you to himself. Are you weary this morning? Jesus invites you to come to him. Before we look at the invitation, let's remember that this verse is continuing on from Jesus' words that we looked at last week. This is not happening in a vacuum, but, but this, is, this is continuing what he's already been saying. So look back at verse 27 in your Bible, where last week we read this, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So we saw last week that the Father has given Jesus Christ authority to reveal him to whoever he wills. The Son can reveal the Father to whomever He chooses. Authority to bring sinners into a living relationship with God. And this invitation comes immediately after that declaration. So what's the relationship between those verses? Again, J.C. Ryle comments and he says this, These verses meet the trembling sinner who asks, Will Christ reveal His Father's love to such a one as me? With the most gracious encouragement. The Son reveals the Father to whomever He wills. Will He reveal Him to me? Come to me. Come to me is what He says. The Son who has authority to reveal the Father extends this gracious invitation. Come to me. You know, it's the same invitation that Jesus gave to Zacchaeus. You might remember him. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. But he wasn't only a wee little man. Zacchaeus was a greedy little man and a thief. Zacchaeus was a tax collector who chose to steal from his own people in order to gain riches. But when he heard that Jesus was coming, he climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And to everyone's complete astonishment, what did Jesus say when he came by? Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. You come down. For I must stay at your house today. Come down and come near, Zacchaeus. I want to eat with you. I want you to know my friendship. 
Zacchaeus, come to me. This is the same invitation that Jesus gives to the spiritually weary. It is an invitation to draw near to Jesus and have personal fellowship with Jesus. Come to me. Now, as amazing as this is, that Jesus invites us to come to him in this way, here's the thing. We can find a hesitancy to come in our hearts. While we should just jump at the invitation, we don't always. Who is this Jesus that's inviting us to come to him? What is he like and what will his response be to someone like me? How does he truly feel about me? We don't come because we aren't confident in who Jesus is or how Jesus will deal with us if we do. But look, church, Jesus doesn't leave us in the dark about this. He invites us to come to him, and then in these verses, he opens up his very heart to us so that we can know who we're coming to. He says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. We need to notice a few things about this amazing phrase, gentle and lowly in heart. First, notice it's in heart. I'm gentle and lowly in heart. Dane Ortland has written a wonderful book called Gentle and Lowly, and I'll be referencing it a few times in this message, but he says this about, about this heart. He says the heart, in biblical terms, is not part of who we are, but it's the center of who we are. Our heart is what defines us and directs us. The heart drives all that we do. It is who we are. And so when Jesus tells us what animates him most deeply, what is most true of him, when he exposes the innermost recesses of his being, what we find there is gentle and lowly. This is who Jesus is. At the very core of his being, this is who Jesus is. I am gentle and lowly. This is the Son of God. What does it mean that Christ's heart is gentle? Let's think of what the opposite would be. Harsh, rough, careless. Have you ever known someone who was harsh to you? Have you ever known someone who didn't take care of your heart when you entrusted it to them? That's not who Jesus is. He is gentle of heart. Jesus will be soft toward our struggles. Jesus will be tender to us in our brokenness. Jesus will be careful with our fragility. Jesus will be compassionate toward our weaknesses. This is who he is. He's gentle in heart. He's also lowly in heart. What does that mean for him to be lowly in heart? Again, the opposite would be haughty, high, distant. But Jesus' heart is lowly which means that Jesus in himself is inclined to go low in humility and to draw near to the humble. You know, we all know Philippians 2, that Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing and took the form of a servant. We all know that Jesus humbled himself in the incarnation. He humbled himself in the crucifixion. We, we, we know Jesus did this, but we need to go deeper and realize he did this because of who he is. 
Jesus went low because Jesus' heart is lowly. He humbled himself because he's humble in heart. Jesus isn't like someone that has a lot of money and a lot of fame and, and in order to uh, make a show of it, they give to a charity tons of money, but if you actually get to know the person, they don't care about the charity at all. They just did it because they could and, and they were supposed to. That's not what Jesus did when he came to earth. He, he didn't just do it because he was supposed to. He came because he wanted to. He came because he loves you. He came because he draws near to the lowly, because he is lowly. This is who he is. He loves to draw near to the humble. Ortland defines Christ's gentleness and lowliness like this. He says, Jesus is the most understanding person in the universe. And Jesus is the most accessible person in the universe. He's the most understanding person in the universe, and he's the most accessible person in the universe. He says, for all his resplendent glory and dazzling holiness, his supreme uniqueness and otherness, no one in human history has ever been more approachable than Jesus Christ. And if you don't see Jesus as approachable, then you're not actually believing in who he says he is. I am gentle and lowly in heart. Come to me. I am gentle and lowly in heart. He will deal gently with you, and he has made himself available to you to come to him. Are you weary this morning? Jesus Christ is gentle and lowly, and he invites you to come to him. That is the first truth for the spiritually weary. Jesus invites you to come to him in your weariness. The second truth is this. For the spiritually weary, Jesus offers you a better yoke. Jesus offers you a better yoke. Are you weary this morning? Understand that Jesus is offering you a better yoke than the one that you have been carrying. One of the controlling metaphors in this passage is the idea of a yoke. It's fundamentally a picture that comes from the world of agriculture. A heavy crossbar would be laid across the neck of oxen or donkeys who would then carry heavy loads or plow a field. There's this, this heavy crossbar over them that, that, that then they carry this load behind them. But the image of a yoke doesn't just communicate the heaviness of something. It also communicates slavery to something. Throughout scripture, a yoke is a metaphor for slavery, uh, of being under someone's authority as that person's slave. The yoke represents the demands of submission to whoever's over you. And so as we read this next section of the passage, it's important to see that in this passage, Jesus isn't simply offering to remove the heavy yoke we are under. He's offering to replace it with a better yoke. He is freeing us from an unbearable bondage but he's bringing us under a joyful bondage. Let's think first about the yoke of the people he's addressing. So again, he invites all who labor and are heavy laden. So who's he talking to? What are they laboring for? What yoke have they been burdened with? The New Testament gives us some clues. Later in Matthew, this is what Jesus says about the Pharisees. He says they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders. 
Do you hear the parallels in that text? The Pharisees are laying heavy burdens on the people's shoulders. You see, they were so zealous to keep the law, so zealous for their own righteousness, that in their zeal they had created a whole system of tradition to ensure that you were keeping the law. So you couldn't just hear the command, keep the Sabbath. You had to have tons of commands to help you know if you're keeping the Sabbath. And they did this for all the laws, and then they laid these laws on people. And Jesus says that as they were teaching these traditions to the people, that they were laying heavy burdens on their shoulders that were hard to bear. Later in Acts, the early church was debating whether or not the new believing Gentiles should come under the old covenant law. And here's what Paul said in Acts 15.10. It says, Now therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? Why are you trying to bring them under a yoke that we couldn't carry? And in Galatians 5, he uses the same image to describe Christians who submit to circumcision laws by calling them, do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So you take these these different passages together. What what is the yoke? What is the heavy yoke that these people were, were carrying and were laboring under and were heavy laden with? I think we could say it's, it's this. It was the yoke of earning righteousness through the law. They were enslaved to a system of having to earn righteousness before God, a system of having to strive to to be righteous before the Lord through the law and through the traditions that were put into the law. They were laboring to be righteous under the heavy burden of the unbearable law, and it made their souls weary. But listen, this is not just something that applies to uh, the Jewish people of the New Testament. This is, a, this is something that we can find in different forms all over the world throughout history. This is really the essence of every other religion, every other worldview. We earn salvation by our works. We labor for salvation in our own strength. We strive to save ourselves. Even Atheists and agnostics, salvation is something to them and they need to earn it. We strive to save ourselves and we become weary because we find that we can't. We become weary in the, in the yokes that we put ourselves under because we realize we, we cannot do it. We don't have it in us. And it's to this situation that Jesus speaks and he says these words, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Jesus invites all who are wearied by the heavy yoke of salvation through works to lay that yoke down and to take up his yoke instead. To become his disciples. Learn from me. That word learn is disciple. It's it's, it's become my disciples. Take a posture of discipleship. Live with me as your new master. Become servants to me. And here's the attractiveness of this offer. It says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I have a better yoke, an easy yoke, a light burden. Now, what do you think about this for a second? Because what Jesus is saying doesn't really seem to make sense when you think about it. The word Jesus uses for easy is translated in other places in the New Testament as kind or comfortable. To call a yoke comfortable or kind or easy is really a contradiction of terms. To lay a crossbar on someone's neck is never kind, right? To to say a burden is light means it's not really a burden. 
A burden, by definition, is something that is heavy. And yet, that's what Jesus says. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So we need to press into this. What does he mean? What is his yoke? And why, why is it easy to carry? But here's where that contradiction seems to run even deeper. Because if we begin to look at what discipleship means, and again, this is a call to discipleship. Well, here's what Jesus has said. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Listen, none of that is easy. None of that is light. Following Jesus is difficult and demanding. The Christian life is not easy, so why is Jesus saying his yoke is easy? It comes back again to who he is. Gentle and lowly in heart. Here's the thing, when we come to see Jesus, when we come to him and we, and we come to see who he is, his gentle and lowly heart transforms our hearts. It has a transformative impact on us. And the transformation that happens in our hearts as we come to see who our Savior is, it holds us up, it gives us strength, it, it invigorates us, it enables us to do what we couldn't do before. Ortland puts it like this, all Christian toil flows from fellowship with a living Christ whose transcending, defining reality is gentle and lowly. He astounds and sustains us with his endless kindness. Only as we walk ever deeper into this tender kindness can we live the Christian life as the New Testament calls us to. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying that, that it's the kindness of Christ, the gentleness of Christ, the, 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 the love of, of Christ that we experience when we, when we come to him that has this impact on our hearts that enables us, it strengthens us to, to get under that yoke and, and we find that it's not a burden to us anymore. What was burdensome is no longer burdensome because we are buoyed up by, by love for Christ as we see his love for us. This is what John is getting at in 1 John 5. He says, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. This is a wonderful test of whether you are a Christian. Are Christ's commandments burdensome to you? When you think of his commands, does it feel like a burden? Because if you know Christ, then you will have been transformed such by his love that you can say with David in Psalm 119, how I love your law. Your commandments are a delight to me. Self-denial and sacrifice and holiness are not burdens to believers because we've come to know Jesus. We've come to see his very heart and his heart transforms our hearts so that we love to keep his commandments. His yoke is not easier because the commandments are easier. We already saw it. The, 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 the demands are greater than what the Pharisees were doing, but Jesus' yoke is easier because we are strengthened by his gentle and lowly heart for us. His yoke is better because he's better. Because the one that we are submitting to is better. Because he is kind. Because he loves you. Because he is gentle toward you. 
And so are you weary this morning? Jesus Christ offers you a better yoke. Place yourself under it today. Final truth for the spiritually weary this morning is this. Jesus provides you with true rest. Jesus provides you with true rest. Are you weary this morning? Then didn't hear the promise. True rest. I just want to ask, have you ever had such an unbelievable night of sleep that you woke up almost feeling brand new? Like, like you, you just wish you could, you could stay in that moment, right? And not, it just, you, just felt, you just felt great. Have you ever been on vacation somewhere that was just so relaxing that you felt like there wasn't a care in the world? We get little moments, right? We get little glimpses of rest in this life, but they are fleeting. We can't seem to hang on to rest. We can't seem to bring rest with us into life. But there is a rest that we can find that is given to us and that nothing can take away. A deep inner rest in our souls. Jesus says it two different ways in this passage. I will give you rest. You will find rest for your souls. This is rest that meets us at our point of weariness. This is a rest that takes place in our very hearts. It's a a realization that there's nothing to strive after. There's nothing to try and earn. There's nothing that I need to do to achieve peace with God or to achieve love from God or to achieve provision from God. This is true rest. And Jesus says that he is the one who provides it. So how does this rest come to us? How does Jesus provide us with true rest? Because there's two sides to this. He says, I will give you rest. You will find rest for your soul. So how does Jesus give us rest? And here's how. It's the story of the Gospel of Matthew. He gives us rest by laboring in our place. That's how Jesus gives us rest. He labors in our place. Jesus provides us with freedom from the yoke of the law by coming under the yoke himself and submitting to it perfectly. The demands of the law were not too heavy for Jesus. They're too heavy for us. They were not too heavy for Jesus. And after a life of perfectly obeying the law, Jesus took up the heavy burden of my sins and your sins. The cross became his yoke, laid across his back. This was his labor for us in death. He bore the curse of the law for us. He absorbed the full wrath of God in our place. And on the cross, he uttered these words that bring true rest to whoever comprehends them. It is finished. It is finished. We can rest because it is finished. We can rest because Christ's obedience is complete. We can rest because Christ's sacrifice is sufficient. We can rest because Christ's labor is perfect. This is the rest that Jesus gives to the spiritually weary. He says, and you will find rest for your souls. Have you found this rest? Have you found it personally? Or are you living in spiritual weariness? Let me say the main idea again. Jesus Christ gives true rest to all who come to him and take his yoke. 
He gives true rest to all who come to him and take his yoke. So he gives it. He labors on our behalf to give us this rest. Who finds it? The ones who find it are those who come to him and take his yoke. That's who finds this true and lasting rest. Come to him and take his yoke upon you. And he will provide you with this rest. You might be asking yourself, how? How do we actually do this? What does it look like to come to Christ? What does it look like to take Christ's yoke upon us? And and, and at this point, I want to get very practical for a moment and just give a few practical instructions so that you can apply this tangibly in your life. How do we come to Christ? How do we take up the yoke of Christ? Well, first, we come to Christ through prayer. We come to Christ through prayer. There is no coming to Christ apart from prayer. Now, unlike the disciples, we cannot physically bring ourselves to Jesus, right? He's not here, at least not on this earth in his physical body, but he is, in fact, here. He is omnipresent. And wherever we are, we can truly come to him, and the way that we do that is by praying to him. It doesn't matter how you pray. You can pray silently. You can pray out loud. You can go on a walk. You can write your prayers down in a journal. But, but we, we practically come to Jesus through prayer, actually speaking to him, talking to him. And in prayer to Jesus, we are bringing ourselves to him. We're pouring out our hearts to him. We're confessing our sins to him. We're sharing our sorrows with him. We're casting our cares on him. We're bringing ourselves in our absolute need to him, believing that he is a completely sufficient Savior. We bring him our need, and we entrust ourselves to him as the Savior. That that, that is how we come to Jesus. We we pray. And so I want to urge you this morning, come to Jesus through prayer. Do you pray to him? How often do you set aside time to, to talk to Jesus? And to bring yourself to him with your sins and your sorrows and your cares and your concerns and your hopes and your fears. You bring yourself to Jesus. He invites you to come to him and he will be gentle with you. He is gentle and lowly. And so I urge you to come to Jesus through prayer. Now how do we take up the yoke of Jesus? We do it by learning and submitting to his word. We learn and submit to his word. We posture ourselves as learners before him. That's fundamental to being a disciple. We come to him and we say, teach me, Lord. And the way we do this today is by hearing the scriptures. We can't can't come to the hillside and hear the Sermon on the Mount, but we can open our Bibles and read the scriptures. That's what we're doing this morning as we gather. But this should be the rhythm of our lives, just as the disciples were constantly with Jesus living with him and continually learning from him, we should constantly be opening up and reading and hearing and reflecting on the word of God. Hearing it preached, learning it in build, reflecting on it in home groups, studying in discipleship groups, teaching it to your children and family worship, reading good books that explain the word, listening to songs that are filled with the word. All of these are ways that we establish rhythms of learning the word and then submitting to what we hear continually. You make it a rhythm of life, that that the Word of God is continually before you. The Scriptures are continually open before you. They are your constant meditation, and you submit to it as God teaches you. So I urge you this morning that you take up Christ's yoke by, by learning and submitting to His Word. We come to Christ through prayer. We take up his yoke through, through learning and submitting to his word. But I need to say this now. We must never view these practical steps 
as works that we do to earn rest. These are not works we do to earn rest. If we treat them that way, then we're placing ourselves back under the yoke of righteousness through the law, right? No, we do not do these things as works to earn rest. We do these things as means of experiencing the rest that Christ gives to us through his work. We do these things in faith that Jesus has done it all. We labor in the word and prayer because we believe that Christ has labored for our salvation. And we long to deepen our communion with him because we have come to know that he is gentle and lowly. And there's no one else that gives us joy like he does. Come to him. Take his yoke. Learn from him. He has done it all to give you rest, and you will find rest. You will find rest for your soul when you come to him and learn from him. It's possible this morning that you have never known this rest. And if that's you, I invite you today for the first time to bring your heart to Jesus, to believe he will be gentle toward you, toward your sin and struggle and weakness, to believe that he has paid it all for you, that he has finished his work on the cross for your salvation, and to take his yoke upon you, to trust in him and to take his yoke upon you for the first time, and you will find rest. And yet maybe today you've known this rest, you've experienced this salvation, and yet you still find yourself weary. You still find yourself with this exhausted spirit. There are so many reasons why that might be. But the answer is the same. Come to Jesus. Bring your heart to him. Let him deal gently with you. Believe who he is. And recommit yourself to a life of discipleship to him. He will give you rest. Persevere in looking for it. And he will give you renewed rest. This is his promise.